golf, and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love the Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 or... Perhaps you're just home, uh, hunkering down, and um, in the midst of the coronavirus, in the house is Holly G, along with my caddy this evening, Jeff Babineau from the Morning Read. Babs, wowzer, what a difference a week makes. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that just driving in, the lack of traffic I would usually hit driving across town. I'm out in Oviedo. Uh, it's just, it just keeps coming at you really. It hits you in just spots, but, um, quiet times for sure. Quiet times, unprecedented times, certainly in the golf industry, in the sports world, in the world in general. Uh, we were both at the players championship last week, as will the rest of our guests. We've got a great lineup tonight. Uh, it, but it's hard to believe it was a week ago you and I were in the press center doing the show. And, uh, you know, things moved so quickly in that 40 or 24 hours. Uh, you know, they announced, well, they played on Thursday. Right. Then they, with a crowd. With a crowd. Then they announced there was going to be no crowd for the rest of the rounds, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I drove home Thursday, and by the time I got home, um, well, two hours later, they were announcing it'd been canceled. Yeah, we went from ter- regular tournament golf to no crowd to gone. You know, Friday morning it was done. And I, I thought it was a really wise decision by Jay Monahan. You know, things were moving so fast last week. He had so many real-time decisions, and he was kind of right on with each one. Uh, you know, they thought they could get a golf tournament on. Uh, and get it going out there without a crowd. But you have volunteers who are in the age bracket where this, you know, coronavirus threatens. Uh, and Huge he, crowds. Yeah, and, and the rest of the sports world, between Wednesday night, he was at a dinner and he got a text that the NBA season was done. And then in 24 hours, the whole sports world folded around him. And all of a sudden, you don't want to be one of the few still out there. So just the optics of going on when everything was in such unknown and people were stepping aside, you you just had to do the right thing. And that's kind of what uh, was driving him. That was the guiding force. Do the right thing here. And I think calling that tournament off on Friday was the right thing to do. Well, that followed with Augusta National postponing the Masters. And more breaking news as of yesterday, the PGA Tour has canceled another month of tournaments. The PGA Championship has been postponed until at least this summer. So now it looks like golf's on hold for two months, at least th- 
through the middle of May, Jeff. And we're um, we're going to go to one of our favorite golf insiders and a dear friend of both of ours to uh, talk about everything that's happening right now. Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, guys. How's it going? Well, how's it going for you? And as uh, someone who works for the mothership of sports, it's got to be uh, quite uh, surreal. Yeah, it sure has been. Um, you know, they, they put us to use last Friday. That was supposed to be a big day of college basketball tournaments, right? Nothing nothing was going on. So all they could do is talk, and uh, they put us on to talk about the Masters and the Players' Championship. And, you know, and it's – it's. Um, I know this is tough on you, Babs, but Tom Brady's giving them something to talk about <laughs> at least. Oh, is something <laughs> happening with Tom? <laughs> so – you know, um, I mean, you know, you, you just have to sort of try to keep a little bit of a sense of humor in, in what's been a really, really tough time. And um, I was just listening to you there, Jeff. I mean, you know, I know Jay has taken some heat, but, you know, he was trying to play both sides. He wanted to do right by the players and the fans. There was some thought that they could play without fans. And, you know, um, that would have been great entertainment for people for the weekend. And, you know, ultimately it just wasn't the right thing to do. And he recognized it and, and they pulled the plug. That doesn't make it easy. Um, you know, I was just out at Innisbrook um, this week to work on a little story. You know, they're the first tournament, re- regular tournament not to be played. And, you know, it's like it looks the like Valspar. That's where yeah, we should they, be this week. They were, you know, they're they're taking down all the bleachers and, and, and and yet there's still a lot of it up because it takes so long to take it down. Hospitality tents. I mean, the course looks perfect. Um, you know, there's people playing, but just not tour players. And and uh, now this, of course, is going on. You know, for for tournaments two months out, and just such an unknown for all of us to to deal with. It certainly is. You know, Bob, we talk every week about how jam packed the tour schedule has become. And, and by the way, you know, if people don't know this, all the tours are dark. All of the six PG related PGA tours, the champions tour, the corn Ferry, the LPGA, um, you know, nobody's playing golf, but um, you know, you look at the masters saying they've postponed and also the PGA championship potentially moving to the summer, you know, causes a bunch of problems, especially, um, with the Masters, is as you wrote a piece a couple of days ago, because uh, a lot of people may not know this, but it's considered a winter club, and they close from the middle of May to the middle of October. Well, that would push it into somewhere, you know, in the fall, which would be after the regular, well, the regular, the 2019-2020 season. Yeah, you know, I this this is coming up we're talking about it we're we're writing about it you know i think i preface everything by saying you know in the, in the overall scheme of things none of it really matters but right. if if it does happen i think it would be a huge tonic for sports fans to, to look be able to look forward to a masters no matter when it is no matter what the course conditions no matter how it impacts the schedule it would just be a great thing. And, you know, to your point about how would it, you know, would, would they have two masters in next season? I mean, you know, to me, that's like a third or fourth or fifth problem they've got. 
Um, you know, if, that, if that's what it meant, so be it. If it means that you move the tour championship to, the, to November and don't have FedEx Cup playoffs this year, great. You know, if you're able to fit in the PGA championship in as many tournaments as possible, that would be terrific. You know, I think that's what we want. Yep, and all and, the majors. Right, exactly. I think, you know, and look, look at the Open. You know, obviously in Europe they're dealing with this just as big as we are. Um, again, in the overall scheme of things, this doesn't matter, right? But from a practical standpoint, they have been planning for years for the 150th Open next year at St. Andrews. So what if you don't play this one? If you play the next one at St. Andrews and call it the 149th? You know, I mean, it's like they, they desperately want to play the Open this year. Mm. But obviously, uh, circumstances will dictate. But it, let's say we come out of this here in the next two months. There's going to be a push to try to get these events in. And you saw the, the speculation about the October date. You know, I think it, it gave people a little bit of a jolt of joy to even think about it. And if it's an October Masters and, there's, and it's the fall instead of the spring, That'd be great. It'd be something for us to talk about. You know, it'd be, it'd be different. It'd be incredible. Tiger defending there instead. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to be optimistic and hope that, that we have those things to talk and write about here, um, you know, before too long. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, and we're talking to Bob Herrig of ESPN. Jeff? I mean, selfishly, I don't know if you, if you fell into this camp, but selfishly for a little bit, I was thinking, I mean, I've been to 25 Masters. You've covered probably more. Um, if we went there and, it, and they did play it in April, which, of course, they're not now, and they were going to have no fans, I just thought that would have been an interesting take to just to see it happen. It would have been really interesting from our side of things to write about. But but so much of that is the fans. And to Bob's point, I think if you play that in October, it could be our celebration of getting on the other side of this thing. You You do the women's amateur, which Augusta, I'm sure, would do. Drive, you do, chip, and you do the drive, chip, and putt, and let all those kids who work so hard get their day in the sun. And, you know, I was asked last week, how is that going to stack up against football? Well, I think the Masters will do just fine. You know, they'd, they'd be yeah. fine. But, but I was curious, on your end, if you went out to Valspar, what was the atmosphere like out there? It just seemed kind of a ghost town type of uh, scene? Actually, it was a little bit more busy than I thought. It was... Um... You know, it was subdued in that, you know, there wasn't the hustle and bustle that you would have seen during a tournament week. But uh, I asked the guy, and basically they had a full tee sheet. They, they, they go off the front and back in the morning and the afternoon, and they had a full tee sheet in the afternoon. Uh, the weather's perfect. Um, it's, it's a combination of members and resort guests. Um, you know, uh, they were... Uh, enjoying the day, and the course is obviously in terrific shapes, and uh, you wouldn't have known anything was, was different. I mean, the, park, the parking lot seemed fairly full, um, you know, uh, but of course, you're driving in, there's the signage for the Valspar, they've yeah. got those those banners of all the past champions, champions. Sure. you know, none of that had been taken down. The entrance to the tournament for spectators it was still, was still, uh, it was still uh, up, you know, like th- those are the things they're taking down last. And uh, it's just, you know, it was a little surreal to, to, to see that and know that, you know, almost a week has gone by since they got the notice. And obviously they're going to be working on taking it down for another week to 10 days. It's just such a huge process undertaking that goes into these tournaments that most of us don't think too much about. We show up, it's already there. 
you know, ready to go. Well, you know, the amount of work that goes in, into all of these tournaments, not just them, but next week in Austin and the following week in San Antonio and all the way through. I mean, it's heartbreaking for these people. You know, they put their life. This is their life. And you let's, know, this is their job. And let's not forget about the charities, too. Yeah, um, you know, it, yeah. and, and so much of commerce that's pumped into, you know, these cities. I mean, you look, you know, even a place like Augusta, Georgia, you know, I mean, um, some, you, you know, those restaurants say they make, you know, as much as they do all year, Bob, as they do in that week of the Masters. Yeah, it's tough on them. And that's another reason why you could see why they'd want to play. I mean, the economic impact that they that they will suffer without is going to be immense. And, um, you know, uh, that's why, you know, like all the, there, there's some, there, I, I heard some discussion, well, you know, why are they even planning this stuff? Are we even thinking about it? We have no idea. Well, the thing is, is to put it on, you have to start the planning process. You can't just wait two months and say, okay, yeah, we're going to play the Masters and then start. They have to take some reasonable steps to try to get it going if there's any chance of it happening. And then, you know, they might be forced to pull the plug again later. I hope not. You know, I hope I hope by, you know, I, you know, I think the next tournament up for is, is, is the Colonial at the end of May. And, you know, I'm praying that that, one, that, that that one's not canceled and that we're able to play that. And, you know, maybe here in three weeks we're going to know something more and it's going to turn. Uh, but we don't know those things, and and so in the meantime, we're just sort of left to wonder what might happen and how this is going to proceed. Well, I don't think any of us will get tired of watching reruns of some old Masters, Bob. So hopefully, <laughs> uh, ESPN will load us up with some of some of those telecasts. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're scrambling to figure out what to put on, right? Uh, um, and uh, Golf Channel as well, and. You know, I, there's a lot of final rounds. I'm hearing things like, why don't we get the whole tournament? And that sure sounds – I know there's rights issues and things like that. Hopefully the, the powers that be work together on this stuff and figure it out. And, uh, you know, it's just – the circumstances are just so extraordinary. You know, like when, we, when we're talking about uh, things like, well, God, how is it going to be fair to get players enough starts? I just think, like, it's so, like, beneath what's important right now, you know, the, Everybody's exactly. going to have to just recognize that it isn't going to be exactly the way we want it. And, uh, and hopefully there's a resolution that works for all. But, but clearly, you know, everybody's being impacted and, and golfers and, and fans are going to be as well. Well, and golf is the one sport, maybe outside of hiking, that is played outdoors with natural social distancing built in. So Fishing. Fishing. Oh, fishing, okay. Oh, not hey, the way. I, I not actually, the way I uh, fish. <laughs> I, I actually played today, and, and what we did was everybody had their own cart. Yeah. Yep. You know, so like, you know, you didn't ride together, and you know, obviously, the. I mean, I don't want to say we went overboard, but you know, we we conversed on the greens or in the fairways near near the. But you know, we stayed out of each other's space. We we never once pulled a flag stick. Um, we didn't even rake bunkers. We just did it, you know, with our shoes, you know, and try to make it as best as we could. I like that, the um, shoe rake. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's not ideal, but it, it, kept, it keeps you from, from, from grabbing a rake. Uh, you know, you, you, you wipe down the cart and the steering wheel. Absolutely. Uh, and it was beautiful out there, and everybody had a great time. And, I mean, it is true. I think golf, we, it can work. 
You know, yeah. it can work if you take the precautions. You probably shouldn't go inside afterward. Probably need to be on the patio. Um, but, uh, you know. Have, a, um, have the beers in the parking lot at, exactly. six, at six feet apart. Yep, no doubt. So, <laughs> All yeah, right, so Bob. It can be done. All right. Well, thank you so much, my friend. And uh, we will keep on uh, trucking here during these uh, during these challenging times. So we appreciate your time, as always. Bob Herrig, check him out, ESPN.com. Thank you. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. We've got Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel up next. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggles. We're back with Golf Insiders in the house. Holly G, along with my special caddy this evening, my dear friend Jeff Babineau from The Morning Read. And, um, Babs, so much happened while we were up at the Players. We went from the Arnold Palmer Tournament, which had that uh, fantastic win with, let me get it right, Turrell, 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 Hatton. That would be T-Y-R-R-E-L-L. Great guy. You know, we got to spend a little more time with him um, in the media center uh, at the players on Wednesday. And um, he was quite expressive was about his party. Yes. <laughs> he was recovering. He had a late night at, after Bay Hill, that win. Which, you know, I don't know if there'll be a win that's more harder earned than that one. I mean, it, it was tough. Brutal. To par. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, he's going to be one to watch. Um, he's 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 great. Uh, but yeah, so much packed into those couple of days because as we know, you know, the players is the fifth major and, um, you know, it's just such a big lead up. And then all of this breaking news and, uh, we want to go to the guy that was right in the midst of all of it and, um, get caught up with him. Todd Lewis from the golf channel. Hey, Todd. Hey, Ollie. How are you? Good. How is life? Um, surreal. I think I heard a lot of that late last week. Um, kind of feel the same way. And, um, we all do, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So it's just, you know, I mean, obviously the micro version, it's kind of weird that the PGA tour schedule is, is halted at least until late May, uh, from a macro version, just our society is kind of strange as well. So, so yeah, just crazy times and move off. You're right. Yeah. Um, just a general overview, you know, the players, um, their sentiments as they were learning the news last week. I know you were in the midst of all of it, Todd. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think there was a difference between Thursday and Friday. If you remember last Thursday, players um, were on the golf course. Fans were on the golf course. And at noon on Thursday, Jay Monahan, um, even though – Many major college basketball conferences were canceling their tournaments, and the night before, the NBA halted its season. Jay Monahan came out after talking to President Trump and Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, um, where I felt like he was encouraged to keep going, decided that the players would continue, although without fans, beginning on Friday. And in hearing Jay, and again, I think his, his heart is Tremendous, tremendously positive spot, and I think his head was in a good spot at that point, too. He looked around him locally at 
Um, the county there, St. John's County, schools were going on, businesses were going on. So he felt like he was being prudent here. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple things happened that he didn't really account for. Number one, he didn't really expect the entire landscape of the international sporting world to dissolve that day as it did. And if the PGA Tour continued on to be the only game that was playing in the major sports markets or major sports stage, I should say, and, you know, I don't know how good that would look for the PGA Tour. He did say that he was definitely influenced by our theme parks closing down in Central Florida. But I think more than anything, what happened was the influence of all of the players. Now, if you think about it, the NBA canceling its season, all those players are postponing it, I should say. All those players will jump on a plane and fly back to the city that they all live in. Same thing for the NCAA basketball teams. But when you're talking about a great event like the players that attracts such international competition, these players are from all over the world. And if you remember just a day or two prior, there was a travel ban in the United States from European countries. Yep. And I can't tell you how many European and international players came up to me after their round on Thursday and were like, I don't know what to do. Do I go to my family? Do I bring them here? If I leave, can I come back in the country? Because at that point, the tournaments were still going on as schedule. Um, and so there was, there was a lack of focus by some of these players. And a lot of those players contacted Jay Monahan directly or got to him via somebody else on the PGA Tour staff. And I felt like he heard those messages from his players, especially the international ones. And it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be necessarily international players, too. Brendan Steele, his family lives in California. You know, yep. He was like, I, I don't know what to do with them. Should, should I leave? Should I pull out of the tournament? The real um, concerns and worries. Should he drive yeah, home? Exactly. Right? As we all are going through now, they were – you know, again, there was so much, and we still are experiencing this uncertainty and fear. And it was, you know, it, that was the beginning stages of it then. Yes. Uh, for example, Sergio Garcia, after his round on Thursday, said, you know, my mom and dad, they live in Spain. And we all know that that country is one of the epicenters of this international health crisis. And his wife, Angela, is pregnant with the couple's second baby. And she wanted to come out and follow Sergio playing on Thursday, and he said, no, stay home. I don't want to risk your health uh, because he just didn't know, and he admitted that the focus was not quite there on Thursday. I mean, just little things like that. I mean, it's just, you know, outside the ropes, everything that was happening was definitely affecting these players inside the ropes, and ultimately Jay Monahan made the decision that he made. You know, Todd, you've done this for a lot of years, and, and the tour sometimes can serve us up kind of a sameness, right? Uh, Thursday morning in Charlotte or Orlando or L.A., it's a lot of the same. Friday was definitely a different day. What was it like for you to cover a day like that? It actually happened Thursday night. Um, my wife and daughter had just uh, drove up from uh, from Orlando. We were going to spend the weekend together uh, at the Players, which we do annually. And um, I was at the Sawgrass Marriott, and I just crawled into the bed with my wife at about 9.45. and like, this is crazy. What's going on? And then I look on social media, and there were hints of the season being canceled. Excuse me, not the season, the players. And then three weeks after, of course, being canceled as well. So journalistically, I just immediately got up, got dressed, threw some 
shirt and tie on, and I text about just 15, 18 players to get the response. It was a, you know, it was kind of a form text to these guys. Hey, hey, I'm sorry to bother you so late, but this is obviously important news. You're you're a primary voice in the game. Can you give me your response? And I and I'm not kidding. All but two responded immediately. I saw that interview, and, John uh, Todd, that you did. It was it was and, quite something. And, and I could, there were so many responses, we couldn't put them all on the screen. Yeah. And I think that they were caught up in the situation, obviously, and their uncertainty, and they and and, and they wanted to get out to the fans of golf and the world stage. I'm talking about the Bryson DeChambeau's, the Ricky Fowler's, the John Rahm, Xander Schauffele's, and Henrik Stenson's, the Webb Simpsons. Those those players, you know, they they wanted to also speak for the decision that Jay Monahan made. And and I, I, they were all in unison in favor of doing what the tour decided to do, um, and, and especially those international players. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood told me, I mean, he actually called me and we talked a little bit, and he said um, that, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. Uh, my, my wife and my young son are in the U.K., and the U.K. was not under the, tra- under the travel ban then, but he's like, do I leave the country? Can I come back in? And, you know, he was right. You know, he now that that the UK is under that travel ban, and you know he didn't that he didn't know what to do. And now he got a life preserver in this sea of uncertainty that uh, he and a lot of other players were swimming in. Yeah, it seemed particularly by Jay's comments that I think um, you know the players really did tip the hand, and he really listened so carefully to their concerns. And as he should, um, because the players, again, this is not a team-driven sport; it's an individual sport, and uh, yeah, they 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 have a huge voice. And to Jay's credit, he heard them and and acted appropriately after. Um, it would not have been the greatest of optics, just the optics perspective, if if indeed they played the players on the weekend, even without fans. Um, as the only game in town on television. And one of the things that a lot of people don't think about that I was thinking about as I was driving around on Thursday, the first round of players, if you go to any PGA Tour event, but especially in North Florida, the players, because it commands so many of these people, but the volunteers and the marshals who are wonderful to, to do what they do to make these events go off the way they do, they're, they're, they're hovering around the average age of 60 to 65. They're generally generally retirees that they like want to come out to the golf course and help out with the tournament, um, and so they're obviously susceptible. And you know, and I, I don't know if that became a, a part of the d- discussion with the PGA Tour, but you know, even if you took fans off the golf course and you tried to run the tournament with these volunteers, you know, th- those people are right in that that target age range of this terrible virus. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Todd. Um... <clears throat> You're going to have a few weeks off, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know for all of us in this business, it's highly unusual, but especially for you and road warriors like Babs here. And, um, you know, maybe it's time to try to get a round of golfing before uh, before you got to go back to work, my friend. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting, Holly and Babs, is that, and, and you guys know this, is that, all right, everybody's like, all right, we're going to play the players and not the fall if we're hearing you know, we'll move around the PGA Champ. But there's, I mean, there's a PGA Tour season here. And there's a FedEx Cup, which means a lot to the PGA Tour. $15 million goes to the winner. I mean, the season right now is scheduled to end in late August. Is it going to be pushed back? Is a, you know, is, if they play the Masters 
in the fall? Does that count for next season? I mean, there's a lot of variables that yeah. the tour has to figure out right now. Yep, fortunately, it's, a uh, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle. They get, they, you it know, really is. They pay some people uh, some big money to <laughs> you know crunch all those numbers. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's, there's but a lot again, going on. Secondary. That is secondary, given the health crisis and our financial uh, straits right now as well. Um, but hopefully, we'll get on the the good side of this pretty soon. And for golfers who are at home, um, lots of things to watch on the Golf Channel. Uh, I know I've been catching up on some of my Ferrety episodes, Todd. So thank goodness for Golf Channel. We appreciate you spending some time with us, my friend. I know uh, it was a very, very hectic week for you last week. And thanks for all the great coverage, as always. Always a great conversation. Thanks, guys. All right. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. Stay with us. More Golf Talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play at Pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. Swing in the house drives my wife up the wall. She shouldn't worry, I don't use a ball. It'd be good to just make hard. We're back, the Golf Insiders in the house, Holly G. Along with my special caddy this evening, Jeff Babineau from The Morning Read, themorningread.com. And, uh, Babs, I did have a little fun last week. Um, Ran into a little celebrity golfer in Mm. the media center, a guy by the name of Carson Daly. Ah, a good golfer. Let's play that interview. Just ran into Carson Daly in the press center. So how uh, how's your game? It's um, not too good. It's not, not too, too good. good. My wife, we're about to have our fourth child. That's right. My third girl. I'm scared to death. My golf is the last thing I'm thinking golf about. Golf dad in golf the future. Dad. Exactly right. That's why I'm first get off those in the women, morning. Like, get those get girls home. out there. I got to get home. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing well, though. I love being out here, and uh, this is a great week to be, um, to be a golf fan. How about the podcast, Second Season with Roy, just fun. launching? It's fun. How did I that come I, together? I didn't, you know, I've been wanting to work, I work for NBC. We have synergy, obviously, with the Golf Channel. And I've just been trying to find the right sort of connective place with the Golf Channel. And this podcast idea came up and uh, with Rory. And so I never met Rory, and we started doing it. And we did one season of it, where we did it monthly. And it's a little tricky with our schedules, but it's just a blast. And for like an old radio you know, dude like myself, it's just, I, it's, and, and being a golf fanatic, like, it's a great gig. I get to talk to the number one golfer in the world every month, and uh, I don't have to prepare for it because it's all, you know, stuff that I love to do. Um, how did you get into the game? Did you meet a player when you were young? What was it that influenced you? So it was you? my stepdad who passed away a couple years ago. Um, he came into my life after my biological father passed away. My mom remarried, so when I was about eight or nine, my stepdad and our relationship would blossom. He'd you know, take me out to play golf, and he was a big golfer, but he never forced it on me. I came to the sport and uh, played in high school, and then that was it. Like From then on, golf would be the thing that our bond would go through. He taught me literally uh, the birds and the bees and everything in between on the golf course. Everything, you know, it's a great analogy for life. Uh, everything I learned about who I am now is through my dad and our time together on the golf course. Yeah, you learn a lot of lessons about yeah. life yes, when, you, when you tee it up with Ones somebody. Ones that we could really start to implement now, I feel like, with the simple stuff, you know. 
exactly. Whoever's furthest behind should go first. Who's your, uh, what's your, what's your favorite course? Obviously, a uh, big championship out there at Pebble. I love Pebble, obviously. I had a chance to play there, and I won there. Yeah, congratulations. Um, thank you. That was a blast. Is that like a highlight of it, your I, life? I said it. I told my children it is the highlight of my life, including their births. It's, it was a big deal. My parents were there on the Spoken green. like a true golfer. I just could I mean, we, you know, I won the uh, Jack Lemon Award also, which I didn't know I won. So I got a trophy with Ken Duke for winning the Pro-Am. And then they give me the trophy for the amateur that helps out the pro the most. Which I didn't know, and that was I had like all this hardware going home. It was amazing. So, I, you know, I'm a partial. I love Riviera Country Club in LA. It's where I'm from. It's my hometown. I grew up playing golf there. I'm a member there now. So that's that's my spot. Favorite golf course or future dream golf trip? You know, taking my son. I took my dad to Augusta, and uh, and we played. And, um, and that, was a, that was my big thank you to my dad after for all the years of junior golf and all that he had done for me. I had an opportunity to bring him out. I did. We played. Uh, we were coming up 18, and Mr. Palmer happened to be playing, teeing off one. He came over to hide to us on a Wednesday afternoon. So it was special. I'd like to do that with my son one day. Awesome. And um, before I let you go, who's your pick for Sunday? I, I'm going to go. I, my pick has been, uh, I'm going to go with Rory just because I know no, no one's ever defended here. And he had a tough time on Sunday, but I think his headspace, I think he's in a great space. If anybody can bounce back from last week especially, shooting 75 or 6 on Sunday, I think he will. Well, he's been making a lot of history lately. Yeah. That would be another I, I, one for I, the books, sentimental right? favorite. But look out for Webb Simpson. It's my, awesome. it's my, my second pick. Carson Daly, thank you so much. Thank you for your time, Mark. How about that, Babs? Nice, nice get. Uh-huh. That's what we say in the business. Yeah, and um, of course, Rory and Carson Daly have their po- podcast on Golf Pass, which is part of the Golf Channel, and we'll waste no more time to bring in Another one of our favorites from the Golf Channel, Damon Hack. Hello, my friend. Hello, Holly G. Quite a, a letdown after Carson no, Daly. No, no, that's I'm a good like lineup. Liver. Hey, come on. <laughs> right, Carson Daly, Damon Hack, good lineup. <laughs> it's getting worse, but I appreciate <laughs> the opportunity, guys. How are you? Uh, well, speaking of lineups, um, morning drive on hiatus in the midst of all this golf shutdown. Yeah. Sorry yeah, to hear that. Interesting. It, it is. We we actually we did a little uh, Skype roundup uh, today. We're going to try to produce some content coming up in the next couple of weeks, where our our faithful viewers can find us on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. We're tr- we're trying to think of some things. So I got to actually see Paige McKenzie and Robert Dameron, Anna Wiley, Lauren Thompson, and our producers today on a little little meeting. So we're trying to. You know, keep in touch with each other, and obviously keep abreast of the of our rapidly changing world, uh, both sports wise and, of course, uh, the larger world uh, as a whole. Well, there was some other breaking news a couple weeks ago, Damon, um, that the Golf Channel is actually moving part of the Golf Channel up to Connecticut. That was uh, some sad news for some of us in Orlando. Yeah, that was a big talking point at Bay Hill. Uh, during the Arnold Palmer Invitational, part of our operations uh, heading up north uh, to be closer to and a part of the Stanford operations at NBC Sports. But uh, we don't have a date uh, yet, so until that day comes, we're going to keep making uh, great TV down here in Orlando until that uh, that date comes. But, yes, definitely some some mixed emotions, but still, uh, you know, we're a professional operation, and as long as we're here, we're going to, 
keep busting down the door as best we can, and then we go up north, we'll continue to do the same. I'm sure with no live golf going on, it's kind of daunting to think about talking for a couple hours about it. I think the flip side of it is it's kind of a game that lends itself to all kinds of subjects and stories. And I mean, I'd, I'd put you guys on the set right now and not worry about two hours of content flowing. Yeah, it would be a challenge, but I think there's enough kind of evergreen topics, whether you want to talk about greatest of all time or distance or pace of play. I mean, there's still a lot of interesting storylines, I think, as we take a pause and look at some of the young players that are coming up and performing so well, the Morikawas and Hovlands and Wolves. And it's interesting, Babs, I actually, a couple days ago, I was itching so much, I got a, a hold of uh, our fellow good friend and Jay Coffin, who runs our website, and texted him and said, hey, I want to write a story on, on my 10 favorite golf books uh, for that. golf fans to kind of stay connected to the game. So I wrote a little column for GolfChannel.com and, you know, wrote about my favorite books and gave a shout out to the likes of Michael Bamberger who appeared on my list twice and Tom Coyne who did a, a book about a, a course called Scotland. Uh, Bamberger has a new book on Tiger coming out. So it was an opportunity for me to say, hey, you know, we miss tournament golf, but we can still stay connected to the game by doing something we probably don't do uh, enough of these days, which is read. Yeah, and speaking right. of books, a guy that we found out, uh, you know, has does a lot of reading, especially has been in the last couple of years as he's worked on this mental side of the game is Rory. And there was a great piece that Golf Channel did, uh, you know, during the players about that. Yeah, it's he's become, you know, always has been a great interview. And, and Babs knows this, but he's really become the conscience of the game in a lot of ways and yeah. kind of the spokesman uh, for the PGA Tour. And, and our pal Randall Mel, who, who we all know, actually took Tiger and Phil to task a little bit and said, you know what? You kind of you've been dropping the ball uh, as far as the PGA Tour and this PGL, and here's Rory McIlroy who's saying, you know, I'm not I'm not touching that that Saudi money as it were. I don't like where the money's coming from. And then you got John Rahm and Brooks Kepka following suit. So so Rory just so comfortable in his skin. Uh, he meditates. He reads. Uh, he's a global star, and it's just neat to have him playing our game. I think he gets the older he gets, uh, the better in the, in the press room he gets. We actually have that sound bite, Damon, which I'm going to play right now. Hang on. Um, I am very, I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin and in my own beliefs and values and um, convictions. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I have been outspoken about a number of issues in golf over the past couple of years, and I, I'm happy about that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not trying to lead so that people can, I don't want to set, I'm not trying to set some sort of example, but I, I guess, you know, I want to be a voice out there that um, can at least, um, you know, put forth some good commentary and a decent opinion on things, and um, you know, that's what I try to do. So. I don't know, I think just because I, I've learned over the last few years that you're not going to please everyone and you're not going, you know, not everyone is going to like you. I think as you grew up, you, you sort of, I certainly had an ambition or I had a, you know, you try to do things for people and you, you try to, you know, I just basically learned no matter what you do, there's, there's some people that are going to like you and appreciate what you do and there's some people that you just won't be able to please. And, and I, you know, I, I think I came to terms with that. A few years ago, and I'm definitely a lot more comfortable in my own skin 
I think we're the game is in good hands with the likes of Roy McElroy and Brooks Kepka and John Rahm uh, stepping up now in, as you said, um, you know, taking that leadership role. I, yeah, I find these guys to be good young talkers, the young guys, you know, speed yeah. is that way. Justin Thomas, uh, thoughtful, right? Rory's Rory's thoughtful. And, and I think, you know, I don't know if you agree or not, but coming to the realization that you're not going to please everyone is a great hurdle to clear. And then you can kind of let it go. He he really has. And he's become, you know, in my, you know, five or six times I go out a year to interview players during the tournaments. Uh, he's become someone I look forward to seeing. And we had him in studio uh, for morning drive at the end of last year. We had a little moment during the commercial break where we were talking about wine and how much he's come to enjoy wine. And I've got uh, uh, my own little passion project uh, called Goats and Grapes on Instagram, and we were talking about that. And I said, can you imagine if we had access to the Augusta National Wine Room? I would love to have access to it, just be able to Ooh. go there and kind of sift through the wine. And he kind of self-deprecating goes, hey, you know, me too. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got some, some reasons to want to be a part of the history of that club yeah, as well. He, it was just a, a neat moment, kind of a self-deprecating moment because he's trying to complete the career Grand Slam. And uh, I, I think he really is very, very comfortable with his state in the game, and he knows who he is. Yeah, and, and Brooks, I, you know, it was interesting, just their comments, um, you know, because I think sometimes they can, you know, be looked at as, you know, these spoiled tour players. But I think their comments were, you know, very revealing. Brooks said, I plan on playing the PGA Tour the rest of my life. The PGA Tour, uh, you know, he was grateful for what it's given him. And he says, I don't forget where I've come from. You know, just uh, very impressive. Truly is. And and they take one look at the the new TV contract. They've got a lot of reasons to want to stay true to the PGA Tour and what Jay Monahan and company have been able to do in terms of securing Terrific sponsors, and you know, none probably greater than the FedEx Cup, which, which the, that prize money is going to continue to grow. So, I, I think they're, they're they're conscientious young men, and, and they know that the PJ Tour continues to be on the up and up. Absolutely. Well, Damon, the Golf Insiders is going to keep on rolling. So um, we'll be checking in with you from time to time, as uh, you know, we we keep talking golf as we get through uh, this difficult time. We appreciate. You being on the show so much, my friend. Thank you, Holly G. Babs. Great talking to you both. Same here. Thanks, Damon. You listen to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he shanked that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back, the Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk and, uh, you know, just trying to keep our spirits high. In the house, Holly G and my favorite caddy, Jeff Babineau from The Morning Read. Um, Babs, you know, we've been talking a lot about the PGA Tour, but we mentioned at the top that the LPGA also has had to shut down. You know, Mike Wan, who's been... uh, doing such an amazing job at the LPGA and, uh, um, you know, has just expanded that tour tremendously. Uh, he's faced a difficult task through through this time, too. Yeah, I, I wrote a Monday wrap-up kind of on the, the week we saw at the players, but it involved Mike Wan as well uh, on Monday on the morning read. 
um, and, and kind of saluting the, the leaders in golf for their leadership. Uh, Mike Wan has been outstanding, as Jay Monahan has, in my mind. Um, he got out in front. They canceled three events early, uh, and then he had to come back and cancel three events. They just canceled three, you know, uh, toward the West Coast, including this week. They were going to try and play the, the Founders Cup. Uh, he gathered 25 people in a room, and, you know, his stance was, tell me that we can play this week. And he was really the lone voice in the room saying, let's play this week. We can figure it out. Let's do this. Until he was kind of talked down from it. And, and it wasn't from a selfish spirit. It was from a spirit of wanting to give his players uh, opportunities. You know, they're losing six events right now. They've got to figure out rescheduling them. Uh, but, you know, he, like Monaghan, is kind of a, they're fighters. So they want to try and figure this out. And uh, they, might, they made a wise decision not to play. He's, he's already thinking creatively. I saw in a Golf Channel story he was talking about maybe combi- combining two of the events. So maybe instead of playing for a million and a half dollar purse, you play for three as long as you have two sponsors that get along. I mean, that'd be kind of cool because, uh, you know, these – the further you go down the list, the PGA Tour, you know, those guys who left Ponte Vedra the other day and they each got 52 grand for playing on Thursday, they're, they're going to be okay. But as you go down the, the totem pole of golf, you know, LPGA, uh, you, you go down to the Corn Ferry Tour and mini tours, and these people are In their own way, by. yeah, living on paychecks for sure. Yeah, they're getting by. Um, well, he just finished his tenth year, and then he resigned, right? He, uh, well, they're lucky to have him resign. Really, he's a he's a good leader, and he he's done a great job with player opportunities there. I think he's brought that tour together. There's a good spirit out there. You know, it was really patching a schedule together for a number of years there. Now they have a you know, nice, robust schedule. I think seventy five million dollars in in money to play for, which is nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're they're they. I think all the leaders. It's a good thing that all our leaders get along pretty well today because they're going to have to kind of get together, get creative, and find some real creative solutions. Well, we were mentioning earlier when we were talking to Bob that, um, you know, now's the time you can go out and play golf. Uh, Golf Digest wrote um, a story just a couple of days ago speaking, you know, to several top uh, professionals in the field regarding the virus and that, uh, you know, right now golf is something you can get out and do. And let's face it, exercise is good for us. Yeah. It's good for our mental health uh, as well as our physical health. And um, I got a note from Tom Jackson, the general manager at Rio, and he said, we are open. We are cleaning carts and steering wheels constantly offering a single card if people are uncomfortable with their riding partner, et cetera. But the golf course is the best place to be right now. I agree. So, you yeah. know. Clear your head, get four hours outside. Um, you know, Rio, he actually could walk. It's one of the few places. A lot of these places are so spread out over with water and, and wetlands. Uh, Rio, you could actually put a bag on the shoulder and walk, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, I can't think of a, a better thing to do right now when we're all cooped up inside and starting to go a little stir crazy. And get some get get some golf rounds in. Those of us in the industry, quite often, we're talking about how little golf we actually play, and we know you know that's very important to the industry too. And um, 
spoke also just before airtime to a friend of mine uh, out at Timaquan and said that the course had been packed. And so I think, um, you know, until we're directed otherwise, we know, as we were saying earlier, that golf really, I mean, we're used to the fellowship and the camaraderie. So, all right, you can't take it into the 19th hole, but you can still go out and, you know, have fun and um, support the game because, you know, clearly, you know, tournaments that are having to be canceled and clinics and, you know, a lot of things that helps golf courses, uh, you know, keep keep their revenue oh, yeah. and their doors open. It's, it's uh, something we could do. Hey, support your local economy, right? What a great way to do it. Absolutely. Well, Babs, thanks so much. Thanks to everyone who's listening. The Golf Insiders will be back next week. We'll continue to talk about golf and try to, you know, keep our spirits high while we're uh, going through uh, this unchartered territory with the coronavirus. So to all of our listeners, all our families and friends out there, wherever you are in the golf world, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and uh, we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.